And uh, we carry on in this passage. Before I get started, I wanted to um, mention to you also, some of you might know, uh, we got a wonderful phone call this week. I think it was Thursday. Bill and Val Kristoff. I see Lindsay and Emily back there. Hi. They're coming home on Wednesday. Yay. Um, they don't know it, but we'd love to have them come next Sunday for Sunday school and share. But uh, we'll, we won't pressure them at all. I wanted you to come and join us. And if they can make it, great. If not, we want to encourage you about just being ready to share your thanks and praise to God. Um, it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing that you give God thanks for. God's concerned about the little things too. Amen? And it's not just a part of our lives. It's all of your life. And God is faithful. God is good. And God does good work. And we want to be a people that give Him praise. Okay? So next Sunday morning, uh, please join us in that regard in the fellowship hall. So Ephesians 6... Uh, I'm in Romans. I'm not in Ephesians. I've got to get to it. Romans is great. <laughs> Ephesians 6. And Paul picks up with the final area of our lives, calling for our submission. Something that we all just really do so well at. Our submission. Our submission to God's will. Not some uh, opinion. It's God's will that he's covered these areas in our lives. And so, we looked in the past uh, month or so about how we're to submit to the control of the Holy Spirit. Be, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's a matter of control, of submission to his work in your life. We were instructed as married couples to submit our, our, and do our specific role to reflect what Christ has done for the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And then in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, children, obey your parents in the Lord for... This is an option. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. No, it's God's will. This is right. This is good. Do this, children. Honor your father and mother, okay? And here we are in this next stage. And I can't help but mention this. You know, all of these areas are areas that we have, maybe we're doing really well in these areas. Maybe in your marriage, it's really going well. Maybe with your children, it's really going well. But is it really going well at work? Or maybe some of you, it's going well at work. But maybe it's going tough at home or with the children. You know, it's... It's like, here's what God did in grabbing the most important areas of your life to say what? Do my will. S submit. Submit to me in these ways. And in this portion that we're going to look at, in verses 5 through 9, Whether you're 
an employee or an employer slash owner, God's will is for us to do all for him. Okay. Um, how many of you are retired? Raise your hand. You're retired. Okay. You guys, younger guys, that means they worked a job for a, a long time. Okay. How many of you are presently working and gainfully employed? Okay, that means... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I look over here. <laughs> I'm not picking on you guys. Okay, this is what is good. Okay? And uh, we start in verse 5. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does this, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Heavenly Father, we ask that um, you would guide and direct in this time. I need your help, Lord. We, we want to take very seriously your word. You have spoken to us here in your word. And Lord, you, you, you want us to yield and submit and obey your way for our jobs, whether we're employees or employers help us understand this and not just to understand it but then take it and go live it out in our lives god bless this time we ask in jesus name amen another thing that uh happens in our day today is uh you know people to to raise money people do a slave auction and it's kind of a fun thing um, you know, we get up and, and, you know, boast about so-and-so, you know, um, Mike Green is up here. We're going to auction off Mike Green and his services. And we boast about Mike's strength and his good looks and all. And, and, uh, and we get, we get, we get 20 bucks for him. What's, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, we get $2,000 for him. But you know what? We'd be interested in, you know, helping out in the cause, whether we're getting sold off as a slave or, or being a part of it. But you know what we would never want to do? Is be back in the 1800s and get sold as a slave. A real slave. And so when we see this word slaves, some of us have that thought in our minds about slavery. And it doesn't come up with good thoughts. We have... Um, thoughts that are rather ugly, um, rather demeaning, and it's a bad kind of a scene. But let's get this straight from the start. When the Bible uses the word slaves, it's not necessarily condoning slavery, right? We don't, we are not to, we're not saying the Bible condones slavery or God says slavery is okay. No, God 
says that here's, if this is going to be this way, here's how it needs to be regulated. Here's how it needs to be controlled. And it, you can jot down, we're not going to turn there, but um, jot down Deuteronomy chapter 15. And Deuteronomy 15 gives God's instructions about slavery to his own people. Okay? And that that is an important thing to remember there. That if it was a, a, a slave from a fellow, as a fellow Israelite, they're to say, okay, you're a slave for, for six years. And the seventh year, what was that? Seventh year, year of Jubilee. Just let them go. Release them. They're free. They're redeemed. Why? Because you, Israel, were once slaves in Egypt. Don't you forget that, is what he's saying in Deuteronomy 15. Okay? So that's an important little side thing there. We want to understand it because, yes, it, slavery in our realm, in our existence, it is. It's an ugly thing. It's a brutal thing. It's demeaning, etc. And we won't even take time to go into another issue that is still going on. Human trafficking. Uh, I don't know where to even go there with that. But that, that's something that, you know, in our comfortable world, we don't, uh, we don't think of that unless it's someone we know. Someone all of a sudden we know that has been taken away. But we need to be in prayer for those and pray that somehow here in our country that, that atrocity stops. So... We remember that. And so here in our, if you want to follow along in the outline uh, that's provided in your bulletin, that's great. Uh, we have two main points um, regarding a worthy walk, making a difference at work. And point number one is slaves at work. And point number two is masters at work. Simply stated. Okay. It's very interesting to note that slavery was a very familiar term for these first century readers. The people there at Ephesus, they understood it. They didn't necessarily have a problem with it. They just said, this is the way of life. And slaves in that time period made up in, in the area of, of Rome, uh, made up half the population approximately. Half the population. In Ephesus, it, it was estimated that it was about a third of the population so it's very rampant, very prevalent and all. But you know what's so interesting is um, the apostles of Jesus, as we read the book of Acts or study these different letters, the apostles that, that Jesus sent out did not strategize about their mission to take the gospel exclusively to the rich and powerful, right? To the shakers and movers of high society. The gospel wasn't directed at them. Oh, oh, well, you know what? Be a really good plan. Let's take it to the, the rich and powerful. No, the gospel was taken to everyone. It just happens that those that were really receptive of it, they understood their need. And that was typically people like lowly slaves. The high and mighty, the rich and powerful, they had no need for this message. They don't need that. And that's what we see in America. There's a lot of folks that just look at it and say, ah, I, yeah, okay, I, I mean, I, I go to church or I accepted Jesus and I don't really, you know, it's not a big deal, you know. 
there's, there's not a real need. But it's, I just find this so interesting how the gospel spread. And here it is, 2015. 2015. And the gospel's still being spread. God's still at work. Someone shared the gospel with you. And we need to be, you know, passing along to others, right? We need to be ready in doing that. So, we want to be proclaiming this message. And this topic of work, we think, oh, you're going to talk about work all morning here? That's kind of a drab topic. I think not. Knowing what's going on, even in our community, and things that are going on in, you know, in the world, work can be a very highly uh, dynamic or explosive topic. <laughs> so, God's message, God's will for slaves or bond servants was a simple one. Obey. Obey. And so that's what we have on point number one, slaves at work, in parentheses, obey or submit. And as you read this, or you go to other passages that relate to slavery, stop and realize what's not being done. Paul is not calling for cultural warfare against the, the bad things going on against slavery. If there's any kind of opportunity to do this, Paul could have done it. It would have been a great opportunity to say, hey, let's make a slavery union. And let's, let's get together. Let's have meetings on Wednesday night and, and get everyone together on this. He kept it simple. He said, slaves, obey your earthly masters. <laughs> we don't like that. It's like, but wait, where's the... Where's the little out that I have on this? Well, in our day, your little out is, well, if you want, go find another job. <laughs> you can do that. You've got that freedom, if you will. Or go start your own business. Um, you think that's an easy thing to do? Go talk to some owners of businesses and they'll tell you otherwise, maybe. So is an area, listen, this is an area for all of us and our children to learn this one thing. God's will is for us to do His, uh, these instructions here in this pa- from this passage and other passages. Don't think that work is something separate from your spiritual life. And that's the problem that we have. We kind of think that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do at work. And that's, that's wrong. So, we need to encourage one another in these things. So Paul did not call them to say, hey, let's do this. Let's, you know, let's get a better benefits. Uh, let's secure a better working condition. You know, that's something that we have to kind of put that away and understand what does the Word of God tell us in this. So, says obey and it's about doing his will 
Now, God expands this concept of this simple phrase, obey, into attitudes and some alarms and awareness. Attitudes is what he covers first. Notice what he says. Okay? Chapter 6 in Ephesians, verse 5. Slaves, obey your masters with, there's that key word, with fear and trembling. With a sincere heart as you would Christ. And then verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man. Okay, those are the three things that we see as attitudes under letter one or number 1A. And we could say these are attitudes that are redeemed attitudes. They're not just uh, human generated attitudes. They're redeemed attitudes that we ought to demonstrate. And fear and trembling are from the two words phobia and Tremble, uh, trema, from, for tremor, okay? Simple Greek words about fear, which is always understood here, like in this case, as respect for authority. We train our children in that. Have respect for authority. Respect your elders. Respect the police officers, the firefighters, the doctors, etc., etc. Children, respect them. Why? This is a, a way of society, Where'd we get that? From God, from his word. And so that's why we're doing it. It's implying reverence, this issue of fear and trembling. Is it something that we are saying, obey your earthly masters and fear and tremble them? I don't think so. The fear and trembling is about really directed to you as an employee and your relationship to God. It's directed, you know, as slaves, you know, we're talking believing slaves, believing masters. That's what he's getting at here. Okay? So, it's more so directed toward yourself. Continue doing what God calls you to do. And that ought to be done in a way of fear and trembling. Do your job. God's watching. And then the second one that comes up. Singleness of heart. Singleness of heart, also in verse 5, with a sincere heart. The, the word used here is, uh, is the, the word simplicity. Do it simply or singly after pleasing Him. It's showing undivided loyalty. Okay, Again, this is towards the Lord. And you want to demonstrate this towards your company, your place of work. So, singleness of heart is, a, is one's focus on Christ. As it is with salvation, right? In salvation, if you're saying, I'm, I'm saved. Well, you didn't focus on many gods to save you. Jesus said, I am the way, singular. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. So, we focus on Christ in salvation. And here in the practical aspect of work, you're working for Him. You focus on Him. Singleness of heart. Then thirdly, under number 1A, a goodwill. Rendering service with a goodwill. Meaning, as we work, we do so with the idea of kindness. A good-spirited way. Wholehearted. We do so recognizing that Christ, again, Christ is there. Uh, Just stop and think with me a second here. If we were working for Christ, and, and here he is in bodily form, 
what would be your attitude? You know, Lord, it's a, it's a Monday. And wow, 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 wow. You know, do I do it out of a sad heart, a grouchy attitude? A, a, or, you know, this issue of having a critical spirit. Well, what's the matter with a critical spirit? Nothing if it's constructive. Constructive criticism is, is good. But if it's just a plain old sourpuss attitude, you know, what kind of response would we be getting from the Lord if he's speaking directly to you about your attitude? Right? I know this is hard because some of you have either worked in the past or work presently with a sourpuss of a boss. And it's a tough go for you. But see, this is a part of one's learning and growing in sanctification. It's not purgatory, so to speak. You might have said that in the past. It's something that you need to see from a different perspective of who you're really working for. So... An attitude that goes along with our obedience. An attitude of fear and trembling, singleness of heart, and a goodwill. It's the idea of, that goodwill is the idea of a, a gladness and a cheer in our hearts, knowing that we're wanting to honor Him in our lives. Yes, you work for a paycheck. We understand that. Yes, there's a boss there. But Jesus is not in the grave. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's a living Savior. And He has concern for each one of us, no matter where we are or what we're doing. So, we approach our work as for the Lord Jesus, serving Him on the job. But as we have that, we take that attitude, and that is something we can't do in our own... um, in our own energy, we have to remember this is empowered by the gospel. Okay? It's got to be. It must be empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life, His spirit in you, empowering you to do the right things at work with the right attitudes. But in this, in this passage, He gives us some alarms, if you will, uh, Here's what God instructs us to avoid on the job. That we don't get caught doing these things under letter 1B. Eye service. What is that? Paul mentions that. Verse 6. Not by way of eye service. Well, that's when you, it's like you see the boss coming and you, you recognize the boss, he or she is looking and now it's time to work. That's the simple thing in it. Don't be, I don't do it out of a way of eye service. That's really, we would say, cheating your company, cheating your business. If you're just, you know, jumping on it when the boss is looking. Then the next one, people pleasing, working more to butter up your boss, doing the office politics, as it says. Uh, um, It's really flattery in hopes of gaining favor from the boss, people-pleasing. Both those are distractions for you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. That's not the way to go about it. 
although those are ways that we we're pretty open to you know to doing anyway no one's going to come and accuse me of, of doing it necessarily unless they've maybe they've been around a long time and they watch it it's something that we've got to be on top of and look for and obviously be three under alarms there there are others we could throw in things like disloyalty disrespect uh just laziness overall laziness even if the boss is there laziness right so watch out for those alarms then one c awareness we work with an awareness that there's two things that come up here i think for those who are slaves servants or employees there's godly motivation we've already seen the implication of godly motivation okay it's not just that god's watching but also the issue that god will reward do you know that it says it there in verse 8 look at verse 8 Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. There's godly motivation there. Now, Christian, you are saved. If you're truly a Christian, you're saved, you're pardoned, and you've been rescued from the judgment to come. Those of you that are not saved, the wrath of God abides on you and that's something that you need to get right with God. You need to get that remedied. And the only way to remedy that is through faith in Jesus Christ. So those who are saved have that refuge. Jesus, he's the refuge, right? But we who are believers still will answer to Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. We're still going to answer to Jesus for what we've done in the body your works will be tried by fire to see if they've been done for the Lord or if they've been done for someone else or yourself. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, We must all, we believers, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You will stand before his judgment seat. Now, the great white throne judgment, that's for unbelievers. The Bema seat judgment, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's for believers. You're not going to lose your salvation there. But no, that's an issue of what have you done in your, in your body? What have you done? How have you lived it in your life for Jesus? Okay? So there's a, a, a godly motivation that we have. Turn in your Bible. Keep your mark in Ephesians and turn to the, towards the back of your Bible to 1st Timothy 1st Timothy just a few books over if you've hit Hebrews you've gone too far 1st Timothy chapter 6 let's look at this Paul is writing to young pastor Timothy and in chapter 6 verse 1 he says this let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor they're worthy of all honor so that why so that the name of god listen it's god's reputation that's online here that's that's the issue that's what's 
That's the concern. It's God's reputation. Why? Because you're saying you're a believer. It's much more than you and me. It's about, it, here's God's reputation. His testimony, right? That's the motivation that we have. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. And then second one, second awareness that we must have is a godly purpose. And this has to deal, I think, as a worker with productivity. The idea is to be productive. When you are productive, most of you are fully aware of this. When you're productive, you feel what? Useful. Don't you like being useful? Don't you feel like, you know, I've contributed to this or that? And that's an important thing. And I think a lot of people are, is, that's what they're missing out on in life. They don't feel useful. I don't do anything much. And then things like dealing with the children at home get kind of poo-pooed. Why? That's the best thing to invest your life in is the children. Help train them. Help, you know, in bringing them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Okay? I, you know, this is, this is really important here. This issue of I'm, I'm at work. You're at work. You're doing your job. And somewhere, and it's not constant, but at some point, someone comes up to you and says, you know, thank you so much for what you do. And that's it. That's all. And you know what? That helps just encourage your heart more about, yeah, I'm feeling useful. We go back to 1 Timothy, if you're still there. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful. If you have a believing master, your owner, he's a believer or she's a believer, your employer, that kind of thing, don't be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Don't take advantage of the fact that they're, well, they're in the family of God. They don't care. Right? Continue to be productive. Be useful at the job. If you're not, you know, why does the company hold on to you? Why does the business hold on to you if you're not being productive or useful? Right? So, it's not just about, well, I'm sincere at work. I work for Jesus. Well, that's good. But beyond sincerity, working for Jesus, there needs to be productivity and usefulness behind it. Okay, so that's... All about employees, a, a, a brief look at it. Number two, masters at work. Masters at work. What's the one thing they're to do? <laughs> look at verse 9. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Masters, do the same to them. There it is. Do the same to them. You mean I have to, if I'm a master, I'm an owner, I'm an employer, I have to obey my employees? Well, you might. It's not that you're obeying their every, you know, you know, their every whim and wish, but you're listening to them. You're paying attention to them, right? You understand what it's like to be a servant. 
You understand what it's like to go clean the bathrooms. You know what it's like. You've been there, so to speak. Remember that. Masters do the same to them. And here are the top qualities that are, are, some of them are here in the passage. Some of them we would raise up and say, yeah, here's other qualities of a, a good master, a, a godly master, employer, owner. Start with number one here under letter 2A, the, the top qualities of a master is fairness. Okay, fairness. Masters do the same thing, to, uh, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he was both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. It results in saying, I, I need to be fair then with my employees. I don't want to show partiality. Be an example of good work yourself. That's a pretty clear, basic thing. Okay? As a boss, saying, I, um, I was reading in the book of Ruth. And boy, you know how Boaz approached his employees? He went out in the field. And you know what he did? He didn't crack the whip. He went out and said, the Lord be with you. And they all responded back, and the Lord be with you. Okay? Now, I realize that that might not happen every day, but that there's an attitude, there's a heart that we take as employers or masters, okay? A second one is just the simple thing of respect. You know, don't have a condescending attitude. Have respect for each person. Why? Each person has dignity as a fellow human being. Each one, no matter what they do, there's dignity there. Listen to your employees. Listen and show them that respect. And then a third top quality is that a, a boss or an employer is focused, focused on the mission, not drifting off from one thing to the next, trying to do their best to keep everyone on target and keep moving, okay? That relates again to productivity and usefulness. But what are the top mistakes to be? What are the top mistakes that a master can make, and we've read one of them in verse 9, is threats. Threats that are used. A primary cause of employee unhappiness occurs when the boss uses threats for his or her motivation. Threats. Well, we, we got to get everyone working harder, so let's threaten them with this. Let's threaten them with that. And Bible's real clear here. Masters, don't be using your, you know, stop the threats. Actually, that backfires on you. Those of you that have been in a business for a long time, you know that's going to backfire on you. You know, how do you motivate your people? It's a challenge, okay? But there are ways in which you can motivate your people and keep them on your team and make that group of employees a team, okay? There's all sorts of examples of that in the business world. Even in the athletic world, right? Of examples of, of people working together. Okay? Stop the threats. Um, a second one, mistakes of a master. I would throw in the idea of manipulation. Manipulation. Obviously, the boss is in charge. And it's very easy if you're the boss to start manipulating things for your favor. So you want to be careful of that, not, not to be a manipulator as a boss. Okay? And then, again, there are many others that could be thrown in here to the mix. Um, false promises, 
carelessness. Uh, so being a good master or a good employer goes much deeper than having good top qualities or avoiding top mistakes. It goes to this final point, and that is maintaining top priorities. The top priorities, I've just listed two here under uh, letter two, uh, t- number 2C, top priorities that surface as we think about work as a believer. And this is why work can make a difference. We've said it in the past that the gospel changes everything. Do you believe that? The gospel changes everything in your life? If that's true, then it ought to include work. It ought to include where you work. And you could say, but I've got to get out of my job. I've got to change my job. Well, that might be the case. Or you're looking forward to you know, a promotion or whatever. You know what? Trust God. Give that to God. Trust Him for that new job or that promotion, whatever it might be. Your future is in God's hands, right? Trust Him for that. So these top priorities goes back to the idea, what I say under, under this is imaging God. Imaging God. Folks, we go back to the very beginning in Genesis. In Genesis 1 and 2, what is God doing? Well, we'd say, hey, he's just, he's just speaking and bringing forth the creation. But he worked. He worked to bring forth It's called his handiwork, right? It's his handiwork. It's his creation. And then he made man and woman. And once the creation was done, here it is. And each time there's an evaluation, a job evaluation on God, what did he say? This is good. And then what did he say at the very end of it all? This is very good. Okay? Now, in that, Picture, stay with me on this, in that he created man and woman. And then we know Genesis 3 comes along and what happens? Well, now they're kicked out of the garden and they messed it up. They messed it up for all of us, right? Yeah, had you been there, had I been there, I would have done it and you would have done it. Of course, we're talking to the men, not the women. Women, you would have just been deceived. So, anyway... We get that. We were represented in Adam with his sin. And some of us figure that's where work came from, for crying out loud. Adam did this and God cursed it all and and now I got to work. I don't have the order right, do I? If you're reading the text and letting the passage speak to you, you're realizing God put the man in the garden and what work you work you work that garden so god wired man for work you're supposed to work that's good it's good right and so we follow along with how god created us god created us to work and the thing is it's not all about sweat (laughs) and you know pulling weeds every time you go out and pull weeds now i don't do that anymore i just spray them no but you know you you end up thinking oh the sweat and the curse and all that right but see god 
wants you and I to work to be productive and to manage things. That's good. The neat thing about it too is for some of you, I'm not in that category as much, but there's creativity too. That's really neat. Aren't you glad God is so creative? You know, he, he made you and you and you and, and you're not all the same looking. And that's good. You know, a day the, out in creation. You, um, you could uh, go out on, on a ride and appreciate creation and do that every day of the week and still come up with thanks and praise because it's it's God's touch. It's beautiful. It's not just, oh, this is. So dry and dull and boring. No. God's creation was meant to stimulate praise. And when you know, he's created you and I, there, there can be that aspect of creativity. And it, it's a beautiful thing. So imaging God. Mankind was created in God's image to do well to image that worth, work ethic in our lives. That's what he wants that we would do that with our work ethic. Okay? Along with that, God, um, uh, work is where we can find satisfaction and delight. Maybe not all the time, but certainly there are times when that can happen. Then the, the next priority is just that not only that I image God in my work, but I'm glorifying God. So now we go to thanking Him, giving Him credit, praising Him for what He's done recognizing that he is the creator, he's the savior, the deliverer, the redeemer. And this brings our attention that as we are designed for work, wired for work, we can also glorify him in what we do. And that it is his will for his children. Basically, you know what we're saying? We can translate it this way. You're wired for work, imaging God. You worship at work, glorifying God. A lot of us don't even think of worshiping at work. Because we think, you know, we're going to be off in the corner listening to our, our music and praising God in the corner. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being productive and giving God thanks and worshiping Him as you go. Honoring Him, whether you're an employee or an employer, worshiping Him at work. It's all due to what we started with. The gospel changes everything. If you claim to be his child, you are his. You are not your own. Being a child of God means we've been bought back, redeemed out of the slave market of sin, now to be a slave of Christ. Romans chapter 6 tells us that. You, look, you mark it down, Romans 6, 11, and 12, where it builds up in this way, this argument that he gives to become slaves of righteousness. And why is it that you or I can dish that title when we go to work? I'm not going to be a slave of righteousness now. I'm going to work. Is that what God wants? No. He's saying, you're a slave of righteousness because you've been bought with a price. Therefore... 2 Corinthians, glorify God in your body, which it's not yours, it's His. Glorify Him. It all rests on the power, the transforming power of the gospel, where sinners submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. 
and you start learning to walk with him, to love him, trust him, and obey him. Your life is not your own if you're a Christian. It's not your own. And we've, we've got to come back to this issue of what does the gospel mean, really, in my day-to-day life? So many of us wake up and it's, it's my choice, my choice, my agenda. Here's what I want. Rather than submit to the Lord today. Submit to the Lord at work. Now the boss is on you. Submit. You know, we don't like that. But here's God's will. God can work in these tough situations for his glory. As you and I, what? Image him. Reflect him. And praise him. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just mark it down. 2 Corinthians 3 says this. You yourselves are a letter of, of commendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. The Bible says, God says, you're a letter that people read. And so, what are they reading in your life as you go to work? And this is the thing. We come back as we wrap things up here at home. No, I'm sorry. Individual. Controlled by the Spirit. Submitting to the Spirit of God. Husband, wife. Submit. Parent, children. Submit. Employers, employees. Submit. It's to God's will and for God's glory. Another reference to mark down. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. That you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, right? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Think of this when you are at work. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remember, how you live matters and how you work matters. You're either attracting or detracting from what? The gospel. The Christian message. So, is your life driven by religion? Is your life driven by what we call churchianity? Or is it driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Which is the only thing that has the power to save and the power to change you. It's not about changing your boss. It's not about you changing your co-workers. It's about God changing you transforming you and a light starts shining and it makes a difference to God be the glory he didn't save you he didn't forgive you redeem you adopt you as a part of you he didn't do that he he didn't say well I'm going to save part of you you as a whole person have been saved so when it comes to work don't don't put that in a box over here and say that God doesn't get to control that. That's, that's my own thing. God wants to control it. God wants to break through the, the box you've put it in and be Lord of your life. And so we ask for his help and his blessing. Okay, so here we go. Today's uh, the Lord's day. And uh, tomorrow... Most, maybe some of you go to work today. But most of us, you know, we turn around and go to work tomorrow. Will you pray with me?
that God will use you as a light in a dark world? You're the, you're the missionary. You're the missionary at work. And it's not a matter of saying, oh, I want to give the Romans road to everyone at my, my break time or during work time. No, just remember what we've said here. Here's the attitudes that come forth. Here's the things to watch out for. And here's what you be aware of. Here, I can be motivated by God to be a, a blessing, to be useful in his way. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you that you have invaded our lives. It's not just a part to rescue just um, how we think or how we feel, but you have saved us as a whole person. And Lord, um, we want to yield to you and submit to you, dear God, as we go to work to be able to shine for you, not to take advantage of our of our Christian boss or anything else. We want to we want to ask for your help as you've laid it out, as you've instructed us. God, would you just um, receive glory for this and help us to honor you as we go? Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.